Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Tom Dorian, Doug Rakulski. Good morning. How are y'all doing? Luxury. Luxury. Well, great. In, How are in you? the midst of luxury. Yes. It's not really that luxurious, but you yes, know, we like is. to tell people it is what at least believe. Hanging out with you, man, that's a luxurious experience. That is so kind that's of you to say. I'm so just kind of here for the espresso. Well, yeah, and, and <laughs> I'm glad you've got your priorities set there, Doug. Yeah. So here we are. and we uh, espresso here? I when did a, we get that? You need to get with the program. Golly. It's gotta, the best. That must be menu B. Yeah, I haven't I mean, seen menu B. You, we don't show that to you. Yeah. yeah Top secret. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> what a great show we got today because we're talking about we're in the Advent season. And um, Advent's an important time. And, you know, a lot of people, as you drive around, the closer you get to Christmas, the more you start seeing the Christmas lights and the nativity sets. and. Yeah, you start hearing the music, the traffic. Yeah, but oh, you're, you're you're a pessimist. I'm a uh, you know I'm thinking positive here. Yes. Yeah, but beautiful signs of the season start to appear everywhere. Right. right. And you know what? And I love it. I got to be honest with you. And I know there's some uh, you're there's a freak. Some, there's some in that there's some Catholic folks out there that might get mad at me because I already have a tree up. You know. But I got to be honest with you. I love it. I yeah. love the idea. In fact, I've got uh, my my tree in my office. I call it my advent tree. Yeah. Your just, advent tree. Well, I just made it all purple. I got purple <laughs> ornaments on it. Just so I can put my Christmas tree up early in my office. But I love, I love the anticipation of Christmas. Right. And so as we get closer, we start doing that. And, you know, really it brings out the, the child in all of us, doesn't it? It does. That's one of the things that I think everyone loves about Christmas is it just allows us to be kids again. It does. And it, it harkens us back to those best times in our childhood. And we, we think about stuff like that. And so it, you know, it's got, it got me to thinking. And, you know, I love when I start to think, I go to the Bible. Here we go. Right? And I, there was a Bible verse that I started thinking, you know, we read the Bible in the Catholic Church, we, 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 you know, if you go to a daily mass, you're going to hear like 80, 85 percent of the Bible over a three year period. Oh, yeah. And all of our liturgy, everything is based on the Bible. Right. Right. All of our teachings, they come straight out of the Bible. And, you know, we're very close to the Bible, obviously. And the yes. Catholic Church was obviously instrumental in, in putting the Bible together. Yes. And so when we go to the Bible, it's amazing how we'll read sometimes and we'll kind of, ign- I don't know, ignore, but maybe not really get the the gist of what's saying. And as I was thinking about Christmas and thinking about being a child again and mm-hmm. whatever, I actually remembered this verse. Okay. And it struck me as very profound. I thought, let me go look at that. Let me look at that specifically. And in the Gospel of St. Matthew in chapter 18, this is, uh, this is verse 3. It says... Amen. Of course, this is Jesus talking. Anytime we start with amen, I, I say important. to you, right? Yeah, it's important, it important, and it's Jesus talking. So, amen, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, it goes on and talks, but but that line right there is an eye-opener, isn't it? It is. Because it just tells us to be like children, and isn't that sort of like countercultural? <laughs> totally. You know, is, is, how many times have we told our kids, grow up? <laughs> How many people people have told us that you're being immature or right juvenile and, and, or child right, right? Now the childish thing, Doug. It's good you bring that up because there's cause it seems like you know should the Bible never you know contradict itself, right? And we 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 jump over to St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians and we and we read these words, 
And he says in chapter 13, starting at verse 11, he says, When I was a child, I used to talk as a child, think as a child, reason as a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. Mm-hmm. Childish things. Right. So now we got we got this juxtaposition here. What What's going on? And again, the whole Christmas season thing made me wonder, mm-hmm. you know, is it good that we become child-like, uh, like, you know? Or is that childish, and what's the difference? And so I thought, well, let's talk a little bit about... I mean, we hear so much about being childish. Right. And obviously that has a negative connotation to it. Mm-hmm. Right? You, you think selfishness, you think ill-tempered, you think uh, it's all about me, and right. you know temper tantrums, and you think childish, and not sharing with your friends, and all these kind of things. And those are definitely problems. Right. And yet, Jesus says, this is, I mean, this is profound to me. He says, unless you turn and become like children. Like mm-hmm. children. Well, but you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. I mean, I want to go to heaven. Doug, do you want to go to heaven? I do. All right, so Doug does. Tom, I'm, I'm assuming. <laughs> I'm yes, assuming. So we have three, three votes of yes. 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 We all want to go to heaven. So Jesus is saying, unless we turn, which means be different than the way we are. Right. Turn means to change and change your path, do something different. On right. purpose. And become like children. A lot different than childish, though. Yeah. and, that, and, and I know I, that's I, where you're going. I, that is where I'm going. And I think people need to understand that we're not saying that you suddenly become uh, childish and selfish right. and irresponsible. No. And throw a temper tantrum when you're McDonald's and you don't get the, you know, the size fries that you wanted right. or, or whatever. You don't just suddenly <laughs> throw a fit. And you're, you're in the office, and I didn't get the pencil sharpener. <laughs> you got it, you know. We don't want to do that, right? That's not what we're saying. However, right. what does it mean to become like a child? Mm-hmm. What could Jesus possibly have meant by that? Because he was always dropping these bombs, and like people are like going, "What did he say this time?" You right. know, turning the other cheek, and these are revolutionary ways of thinking, right? Right, and so think about that culture. That culture back then didn't have respect for children. Not at all. No, children were, were property, property, right? Yeah. Like women. Yeah, exactly. And so you, you, when they talk about, you know, the Bible talks about the feeding of the 5,000 or the 4,000. Right. That's not including women and children. Right. It's just the men that were that's there. That's exactly right. That's the way the society was. And so here Jesus is saying, unless you turn and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Counterintuitive. Now, you know, that must have been a mind blower for those folks. Mm-hmm. But you know what? It's a, it's a, it's a truth that is eternal. And it's something we need to heed to because I'm thinking, okay, Doug, Tom, and I all want to go to heaven. Right. And I'm sure our listeners are thinking, yeah, I'm thinking heaven's a good place to be. Yes. Well, so to do that, we have to become like a child. So the question is, how do you become like a child without right. being childish? Right. What is it that Jesus was getting at? And what is it we're supposed to experience sort of in the Christmas season, mm-hmm. right? And maybe even see Christmas as something more than just this one season, but the idea of the gift of the incarnation and then our, our looking forward to Jesus' coming again, you know, why why don't we do that every day? Right. You know, yeah. is that what Jesus is actually getting at? So what I thought, we would take some time here and we would go through, I wrote down eight. There's probably many, many more. Right. We're going to go through just what I view as eight different really positive attributes of being childlike, how, how to Great. be childlike. And Great. I think as adults, we need to we need to be more childlike. Mm-hmm. Jesus said so. And so we have to figure out, well, we've got to, got to have a game plan. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? How are we going to do that? Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, we'll just go ahead and list some, and we'll talk about it and figure out. Good idea. Are we Let's doing do that it. or not? Because, uh, again, goal is... To go to heaven. Right. Keep that in mind. We want to go to heaven. So in order to go to heaven, the first sort of positive attribute of, of 
of being childlike mm-hmm. that we would have to incorporate is just what I think is one of the greatest gifts of childhood, and that is an, a, a sense of un, unconditional love. Yeah. Just the absolute willingness of a child to love. Yeah. And how beautiful that is, especially as they're real young. You know, they're, when they look up at you, especially when it's your child. Right. They look up at you with those eyes that just love you. Right. right, that they they want to they 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 want to come and cuddle and hold and when they hurt themselves they come to you for comfort, right? And that's that sense of this is beautiful gift of love. And isn't it wonderful that everyone just starts to beam, you know, when they're around children because there's that sense and every, and just love is sort of in the room, right? Oh yeah, you can't escape it. No, it's beautiful. It is just absolutely beautiful. And I, and and that sense of unconditional love, you know, that's that's. A perfect reflection of the Father's love for us. And so as a child, you have that. It hasn't been ruined by society yet. Right. Right. It hasn't been ruined by the world, uh, by this culture of death. It's just still this culture of of life that you're created in his image and likeness. Right. So you are love when you're born. It's so easy to love a baby. Yep. Right. And how beautiful it is. But that's a quality we have to have. If we want to go to heaven, we've got to love unconditionally. Yep. How hard is that? Very or, difficult. Especially if someone doesn't look like us or talk like us or even Amen. think like we do. Yeah, yeah. Putting people in boxes. Yep. Right? And we start thinking selfishly. And it's just, it's harder to love as we get older. And so it's a quality that we've got to, we've got to, con- to, to continue to, uh, to exhibit. To, and if, we, if we've lost it, we better find it quick. Because Jesus wants us to be childlike. And that means unconditional love. Right. Now, the second quality I would talk about is this sort of concept of unshakable and genuine trust. Mm-hmm. Now, think about that. Again, this little child that looks up at you, even if it's not your child, they respect their elders. They right. really do. As, as little kids, they'll believe anything that you tell them. Right. And that's important. Now, you know, as a jokester, every once in a while, I'll tell my kids something crazy, you right. know, just to see. Man, they really do believe that. Right. The moon is made of cheese, son, I'm telling you. <laughs> spinach is yummy. I try to correct that before they go out into the world. Yeah, spinach is yummy. <laughs> but I try to correct those things before they go out in the world because I don't want them to be in college and go, well, my dad says, you know, spinach is yummy or the moon is made of cheese. They, my kids don't talk like that way, but they're right. a lot smarter than I am. Actually, they do. They do? <laughs> yes, they do. Thank you for pointing that out. Yeah. Anyway... Right, but they trust you. Right. Right, your kids trust you. And, and that idea of trust is something that we, what do we as adults, I, I got to tell you, the biggest, one of the biggest things I fight is skepticism. Right. right. It's like, I don't believe that. I mean, right. I just went to the phone company yesterday to buy a phone or to look into a phone. They had this new program that was over time or whatever, and they go like, oh, no, this is a better deal. I don't believe that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> That's the first thing out of my mouth was like, I don't believe you. I mean, I do not believe that your company is going to present something that's going to. It's like, well, let me show you. And I'm like, well, I'll be darned. It's exactly right, you know. Because I, and I've lost that sense of trust. Now it's good and healthy, I think, sometimes to be a skeptic. Read the fine print. Right. It is to understand that sometimes there are people out there who are not thinking quite so generously. Right. However, the idea of trusting another human being really is is a, it's a lost art. It is. And so this this sort of unshakable trust that a child has, it it reflects our need as adults to trust in God. Right. To believe that no matter what life is bringing forward for me, right, no matter what problem I have, God's going to take care of it. 
It's, it, it can't just be me fixing whatever the issues are, right? I've got to trust in God. And as, as adults, as we get more mature, we grow out of trust. We get we? jaded sometimes. Yeah, I think so. So love and trust are the first two. And, you know, the third is, is important as well. Um, and it's so important that I'm gonna, we're going to take a break before oh, <laughs> I want people to come with you. The cliffhanger. You're on a roll. If you want to hear the third of the top three, you got to come have back. Before we do that, though, I'm before we take back. a break, I, yeah, good. I'm glad you're going to be here, Doug. Uh, we'll have that espresso for you. Um, want to remind folks at home we got a great website. Trust me, it's a great website, www.thecatholiccafe.com. And also, I would love to hear from you. Send me an email, deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And with that, We'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. As Jesus and the two thieves hung upon their crosses, Roman soldiers came to break the legs of the crucified to hasten death as nightfall was approaching. When they came to Jesus, however, they found that he was already dead. The Gospel of John tells us in chapter 19, But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he tells the truth, that you also may believe. John does not name the soldier who pierced the side of Christ, but Catholic tradition has known him to be St. Longinus, and many stories surrounding St. Longinus, bordering on legend, have survived over the centuries. It is told that St. Longinus, who was nearly blind, was miraculously healed as the blood and water that flowed from the lance wound of Jesus fell into his eyes. This caused him to exclaim, Indeed, this was the Son of God, as recorded in the Gospel of Mark. It is said that St. Longinus was so moved by the events of Christ's crucifixion and his own healing that he converted to Christianity on the spot. The story continues that St. Longinus then withdrew from military service, spent time receiving instruction from the apostles, and lived the remainder of his life a holy man in the region of Cappadocia, now modern Turkey. Legend has it he was imprisoned for his Christian faith and his teeth and tongue were removed so that he could not proclaim the gospel to his fellow prisoners. But miraculously, and much to the amazement of those who imprisoned him, he was still able to speak the truths of the faith in a clear, fearless voice. He was eventually beheaded, and his relics now rest in San Agostino, the Church of St. Augustine in Rome. The relic of the Holy Lance that pierced the side of the crucified Lord can be found in one of the four great pillars that rise above the main altar in the Basilica of St. Peter. Whether or not the events put forth regarding St. Longinus happened exactly as tradition tells us is unsure. But what can be said with surety is that any man who stood at the foot of the cross of Christ and witnessed the death of the Son of God and the Savior of the world would be a changed man. He could never be the same again. I'm Bester Zimski, and this is another great moment in church history.
Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, talking here with Tom Dorian and Doug Grakulski, the A-team at the Catholic Cafe, and we are talking about being more childlike. And I couldn't have gotten two better guests you know, to be sitting here with me to talk about being acting like children. We are childlike. That's yes. very true. <laughs> so childish. Now, yeah. Well, we have determined that we don't want to be childish, right. as Saint Paul talks about. Exactly. Right. However, we do want to be childlike, as Jesus commands. Exactly. Because if we want to go to heaven, we're going to have to be childlike. We, you're right. Right. And so, and so, we want to make sure that we uh, remember that the first one I mentioned was an unconditional love mm-hmm. the child would have for others right right and that we would have for them but then also that concept of an unshakable and genuine trust right. trust just the willingness to absolutely see themselves uh in someone else's hands right right those are beautiful beautiful things and then i would guess the uh, the third one of, of sort of a top three mm-hmm. would be this idea of innocence and purity mm-hmm. now that one's tough because uh, well, we know as kids, you know, their innocence and purity comes because of their the physical development and and the lack of certain hormones rushing through their bodies, right? And so we we as as we get older and mature, we we have a little more of a challenge dealing with with some of that. But the reality is, the concept of in, innocence and purity is something that should we should carry with us forever, right? Right? We call it chastity as we get older, right? right. And so this idea of just um, having this clean and pure and innocent relationship with others and with God is is imperative. And Jesus says, unless you are like a child who is innocent and pure, you will not, you're not going to go to heaven. Right. Right. Remember in, in the book of Revelation, it says nothing unclean will enter heaven. Right. Well, okay. Yeah, <laughs> now that, our that, thoughts. That's a, but that's a problem. Right. I'm looking at you, Doug. Right, that's a that's a problem for a lot of us. How are you looking at me? No, I'm just I'm worried. No, no, I'm not judging. Who am I to judge? I'm not I'm not going to judge you. I'm going to say that we, as we get older, we we struggle with innocence and purity. Right. It's one of the greatest temptations, one of the greatest sins, I think, that's overcome our society and our culture. When we look at our sexuality, I look at our uh, just inabil- inability to sort of coexist in a peaceful and loving way, and to respect uh, others' uh, bodies, their property, their uh, they're, they're, they're persons, right? You know, and, and I think that, uh, that's a challenge. And so a lot of people listening might think, well, okay, I want to go to heaven, mm-hmm. but I'm struggling with innocence and purity. Right. So what do I do? How do I become childlike? How do I become innocent and pure if I've lost my innocence mm-hmm. or I've lost my purity? And I once heard of a, a, a wonderful, um, contemporary Christian singer, um, Rebecca St. James is her name. And I was at a concert, uh, doing something and, she had um, she had said made a, a talk to these young people, and she was talking specifically to the young women, and she was talking about women who had lost their virginity. You see, mm-hmm. young women who had who had you know admitted they'd made mistakes in their life, and, and they're thinking, "Well, I'm lost." And she's like, "You know what? You can reclaim that. Mm-hmm. You can reclaim your lost virginity." I thought that's an interesting concept, mm-hmm. and you know that's before I was sort of went came back to my Catholic roots. Mm-hmm. So from an evangelical perspective, I think it's beautiful that, that they would that this would be taught. But even from a Catholic perspective, I thought what's so profound is that's what confession is. Absolutely. Right. Right. We as Catholics, when we go to confession, we are regaining innocence and purity. Yeah. 
right? And, and, we, and we can master it. We can actually become innocent and pure in the eyes of God, in the eyes of the church, in the eyes of humanity. We can become innocent and pure again because of that gift of grace that comes to us in the sacrament of confession. Right. And so right. we need it's to, a mindset, too, just how you look at things, amen. especially after confession. Amen. So to look at, you know, we've heard the term clean slate, haven't we, Doug? I mean, we hear that, you know, go, I got a clean slate. I'm starting fresh. And that's great. Innocent and pure, right? Unless we're innocent and pure, unless we're free of all that sin and that attachment to sin, it's no heaven for you, <laughs> right? Right. But the, right? Do you buy into the clean slate, though? That's true. The, it, it happens, but then if you're still clicking on the top 50 hottest cheerleaders when you're on the computer, you, you've blown it. Right. You know, what's your intention <laughs> there? That's right. Well, we, we, we pray that, that God would give us the grace to overcome that, right? To overcome the temptation and to overcome the draw to that, even though as humans we fall. Mm-hmm. But again, the gift, of, you don't go to confession only once. Right. It's a lifelong commitment. Right. Right. And so, Doug, in answer to that, I think the people are thinking, yeah, I, I struggle with this. God knows you struggle. Yeah. Right. Put, put yourself on the cross there for a bit and just and let God know and let that struggle count for something. Mm-hmm. Let it be salvific and let it be something that uh, it just brings life. You know, it's it's in death that we that we that we get life. That's right. Right. How beautiful that is. So great point. Now, these other ones I want to mention here are not as big as the, un, the, the big three. Right. Unconditional love, unshakable, genuine trust and innocence and purity. I think those are the top three. But there are several other qualities of 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 children or being childlike that I think that, that we need to, um, I don't know, to incorporate in our daily adult life or our mature life, whatever age we are. Will number four, willingness to learn, Mm -hmm. right? Willingness to be transformed, to be changed, to be something different than you are. The idea and the concept of growing Mm -hmm. is innate in a child. Mm -hmm. They, they, they know that that's their goal is to be a sponge and to soak it up and to, and to become like what's, poured into them they know there's more exactly right exactly right they know there's more and they want to know it right they have an eagerness to learn they soak it up i just know that when i've talked to my kids when they're younger especially i talk to them and they have that sense of wonder in their eyes and they're kind Mm -hmm. of they look off into the you know up in the sky and their wheels you can watch that stuff sometimes i see smoke come out of their ears that's a whole different issue (laughs) but you know they their wheels are turning tom as you say that's that's a a great example of what they look like and and it sums it up and and that's their childlike ability and desire to learn Mm -hmm. you know but you know what we've got to have that if we want to go to heaven right we got to be willing to be transformed be changed we can't go to heaven just as we are right that's an important thing god wants us to grow ever closer to him but that requires change and transformation it's a challenge to who we are right now we can always be better mm-hmm. right because we're not god we can always be better so willingness to learn right and that's kind of closely tied to number five the next one which is openness to allow others in right mm-hmm. one especially those who are not like them my kids it's just amazing when they're little they start they don't see color Right, they don't see a historical background. They don't see. They don't see shape, shape, gender, yeah, political agenda. Right, they don't. They don't. <laughs> well, they may see those things, but those don't count as things that matter. would. Right. right. Well, they don't count as things that how they would discern who they would or would not talk or associate or play or right. whatever be with. Right. So you know, very rarely do you see racist children, right. bigoted children, children who separate because of class. Right. 
well, Daddy doesn't want me to play with you because you're a poor child. Right. You know? Right. I don't know why I have that weird accent when I suddenly, hello. You, you know? do that well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the point is kids don't think like that. Right. Their natural inclination is to reach out to everyone in there and just go and hang out and be with them regardless of who they are. You're right. As we get older, we forget that. Right? If we want to go to heaven, we need to remember it real quick. Yeah. Don't, right? Yep. So number six is kind of interesting, too. It's, you know, kids have this sort of unfiltered honesty. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you be in the store, and it's like your kids will look over and say, you know, Daddy, why is that man so fat? <laughs> you know? And and all I can think of is, son, why are you so loud? <laughs> that's, um, that's honesty. Th- there's an honesty. there now, But they're not judging that man. They're, they're looking right. at him. They see a difference. And whatever the difference is, they see it. But they don't right. judge based on it. But they're honest. They put it all out there. Yeah. And, you know, we have to have a sense of honesty and not lie to ourselves and not cover things up. And, right, if you're going to confession, honesty is the probably uh, next to penitence. Yeah. Honesty is the the, the, the most critical. important quality, yeah. right, when you're going there. Because you've got to be honest with yourselves because otherwise you're fooling yourselves into, into believing that something's true, which is not. Right. So having that sense of honesty, that's the only way you're going to get to heaven. Right, we got to be true to ourselves. Got to be true to our God, true to, the, to our our spouses. We got to be true to our children. We have to be true, right? And we have to be true to the teaching, teachings of the church. How beautiful that is! So number seven is is another beautiful one, and that's an unlimited capacity for joy. Mm-hmm. Man, kids, you walk into a room, or you bring a couple of kids into a room. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how it lights up the room, doesn't it? Right, right. And they have this incredible capacity that, that you cannot make. Uh, t- a child too joyful. Right. Now, they may be bouncing off the walls because you gave them too much caffeine or sugar or whatever <laughs> you might want to call it. But the point is, they are joy. And it's amazing how you take children into, say, uh, a nursing home, right, where there are a lot of elderly. Oh, yeah. And how it just lights Changes the room. Changes the whole up. room. The whole temperament of the room is changed instantly because there is joy. Yeah. Yeah, well, how many times as adults, as parents, have we lost our sense of joy? Yeah. yeah. And, and that joy comes from all the other things on your list. I mean, that's childlike. A- amen. And you know what? Again, at a, at a Christmas time, you know, joy to the world, we, 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 we're, why all this joy? Even people who do not have a spiritual side or, or are not religious, mm-hmm. who don't go to church, they love Christmas because of the joy. Yeah. Right? So there's a connection. And so this idea of having joy... And sharing joy, which we, as mature people, is like, well, I don't be too joyful. I'm going to enjoy myself. We're serious. <laughs> we get so serious as adults. Right. Joy is a good thing. And then that last one I would mention is just sort of an unbridled imagination and sense of adventure. I mean, kids can play all day with a box. I remember as a kid, we'd get a new refrigerator and we'd build a fort. Right. Right? Kids can do that. Well, adults stop doing stuff like that. Trust, love, purity. Uh, growth, willingness to learn, openness, honesty, joy, all these things are so important. And they all come into one big word, faith. Like believe. Right. We need to believe. We do. We do. Let's pray. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, help us to be more like children. Help us to see you with eyes of love, trust, and innocence. And may our faith, our belief in you be constant and lead us to an eternal life of joy with you in heaven. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com.
Catholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table. 